Good morning. I'm John, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 22nd. What was the best part of SummerSlam 1999? If you're listening to this, then chances are you love wrestling. And if you care to continue the conversation with me, John, and other listeners of this show, then I invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Just search for Daily Wrestling News Show or go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show and click join. We cannot wait to meet you there. The group is brand new, so if you're one of the first to join, don't be afraid to say hi. Now, on with the show. On this day in 1999, the WWF presented their 12th annual Summer Spectacular, SummerSlam, from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We were fully immersed in the Attitude Era, and while the roster wasn't the embarrassment of riches and first ballot Hall of Famers that it would be in about two years' time, there was not a name on this card that would make you pause and say, wait, who? The card kicked off with Jeff Jarrett sending his valet, Deborah, dressed in a tuxedo tails jacket and very little else, back to the locker room. She would immediately return, though, on the arm of his opponent, D'Lo Brown. Alas, it was all a setup, as Jarrett would use a fake argument with Deborah to distract the referee and allow Mark Henry to stab his former buddy D'Lo in the back when he destroyed a guitar across D'Lo's back. Jarrett would get an easy pin and take the European and Intercontinental Championships from Brown. Next up was Tag Team Turmoil. Six teams would battle in a gauntlet-style match to see who got the shot at the tag titles on Raw the next day, since the tag titles were being defended later in the show. Edge and Christian started off against the Hardys as the new brood. Soon, this would be a tag team main event worthy match, but on this night, it simply kicked off turmoil. Edge and Christian get the win and move on to best Midian and Viscera, followed by Draz and Prince Albert, before finally falling to the Acolytes for Rook and Bradshaw. The future APA would beat Edge and Christian and then wrap up tag team turmoil after besting Crash and Hardcore Holly. Next up, the Road Dog would have a back and forth on the microphone with the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. The segment was a little more than an excuse to get Jericho on his first WWF pay-per-view. And after that, Road Dog would go on to do roving commentary for the hardcore title match that spent zero time in the room. Al Snow, fighting for the safety and honor of his dog Pepper, would beat the big boss man to take the hardcore championship. Women's champion Ivory would defeat Tori with an awkward finish, then attempt to tear the clothes off Tori's back. Apparently, slut-shaming was part of Ivory's character back then. In fact, the one thing this show had more than big-name superstars was cancelable offenses by today's standards. Luckily for Tori, Ivory would be run off by Luna Bashan. Ken Shamrock defeated Steve Blackman in a Lion's Den weapons match. Test took part in a love-her-or-leave-her Greenwich street fight where he was scheduled to take on Shane McMahon, but wound up facing the entire Mean Street Posse as well. The match would feature a beautiful top-buckle elbow drop by Shane McMahon from the ring to the outside, putting Tess through the Spanish announce table. It did not, however, feature a victory for Shane, thereby freeing up Stephanie to continue dating Tess. Kane and X-Pac walked the aisle as tag team champions on a night where Kane would debut a new mask, but lose those titles when his brother The Undertaker and partner Big Show picked up the W. This match featured a classic zinger by Jerry Lawler, 
when he remarked as X-Pac watched the entrance of the Unholy Alliance that he looked more nervous than a pizza on its way to Paul Bearer's house. The Rock, after verbally abusing Michael Cole backstage, ooh, wait, that's a strong contender for my favorite moment of the night. Well, anyway, The Rock would go on to beat Billy Gunn in a Kiss My Ass match. Billy had been seen leading around someone significantly shorter than him backstage under a black sheet while promising a big surprise. That surprise would turn out to be a hefty young woman who would be the target of The Rock's lips when and if Billy won. This would lead to the rare dueling insults by King and JR. Ross would remark after the big surprise was unveiled, you've heard of restaurant quality. Well, that right there is bakery quality. To which Lola responded, hey, you've heard of buns of steel? Those right there are buns of cinnamon. Now, I'm not sure if Billy would be able to confirm the cinnamon comment, but he did spend a brief amount of time with his face parked between those glutes. Special guest referee Jesse the Body Ventura spent multiple segments throughout the show seeking out the participants in the main event to warn them about his zero-tolerance policy on shenanigans. But when the bell rang for Stone Cold Steve Austin to defend his title against Mankind and Triple H, there were shenanigans aplenty. China would target Stone Cold's knee with a chair at ringside early on, and while she got away with that one, she would later be sent to the locker room for further transgressions against Jesse's rules. Triple H would hit Mankind in the head with a steel chair in the center of the ring and about a foot away from Ventura. The referee couldn't disqualify Triple H because it was a triple threat match, but apparently he could flat out refuse to count a potential pinfall. After nearly 16 and a half minutes of brutality, Triple H would hit a pedigree on Austin but then get bumped off the cover and nearly out of the ring by Mankind. Mankind would then pull the woozy Austin to his feet for a double underhook DDT and score the 1-2-3 to become the new WWF Champion. So what was the best part of SummerSlam 1999? Well, when Mrs. Foley's baby boy not only won his second WWF Championship, but did so in a triple threat over two icons the caliber of Austin and Helmsley, that's an awful strong contender. But I think I have to go a little off the menu and say my favorite part was simply the participation of Jesse Ventura. Of course, he was a WWF wrestler, back when you could still call them that. And of course, Jesse would go on to be the governor of the state of Minnesota where this event took place. But what you may or may not remember is the fact that Ventura didn't do this to up his profile during his road to the governor's mansion as some kind of gimmick to help get him elected. And he didn't do it as a victory lap after the end of his term. Jesse Ventura was the special guest referee as a sitting governor of one of our 50 states. And he took a ton of crap for it from the minute it was announced. Never one to shy away from controversy, Jesse addressed it before the introductions of the main event. He grabbed the mic and declared, there's a lot of media saying I'm a disgrace for being here. But I'll tell you this, I'm proud I'm a wrestler, I'm proud I was a wrestler, and I'm proud to be here tonight." End quote. Short, sweet, to the point, and I can't help but feel it made it just a little more okay to be a wrestling fan on that day. This has been the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 22nd, 2022. We'll see you tomorrow.